Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. So this morning as we talk, I want to talk about this for a little bit. This form versus content. And you might be saying, well, what do you mean by that? What, what form is, is simply the way you communicate whatever the content is. And so you, the, one of the most prominent ways you might see this is in a photograph. And it, and it has been said that a photograph is always the battle between content and form. A beautiful picture should have both content that is worth looking at and be presented in a way in which it captures its best beauty. This, for example, is a photograph of a lake. It's Lake Louise. It's near Banff, Alberta. I think it is a beautiful spot. I've only ever been there one time. But when I was thinking, oh, if I could find a picture of that, that would be something where you could see some of that, how that you'd have content that starts off beautiful, but yet the way in which you present it means something. You know, and, and you'd see other examples, perhaps, of a photograph, and I, I'm not going to subject you to them, but imagine with me if you would be, if you don't have both of those, you might say, that is a beautiful horse that you've taken a picture of. How do I say this politely? Why didn't you take a picture of the other end? Can you imagine that? Like, it's like, okay, um, form was missing. You might see a different scenic picture, and it's a beautiful spot. The lighting was just right. But yet, why did you make the center of that, that run-down home that's abandoned? There's form and content. You see that in pictures, but it's not limited there. You see that in almost any way in which you're trying to communicate something. You see that as a math teacher. That, as an example, has to think about form and content when he goes into the classroom. And I'm guessing that he spends time thinking about the form. How am I going to communicate this math to this group of students? Some of them wanting to learn, some of them not wanting to learn, and a whole variety of backgrounds. But you spend time trying to figure out, well, what is a way in which that can actually effectively get to that person? Now, I'm even thinking, if Matt's being honest, there might be times in which I would rather just stand up there, this is what it is, now do it. Well, it's interesting. We come to this passage here in 1 Corinthians, and Paul starts talking about this. He doesn't use these words of form and content, but he starts talking about how he preached to them the gospel. And then he's also going to answer the question of why. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we are. We'll also be putting the scripture up on the screen here as we go through it. But it's the second chapter in 1 Corinthians. So it starts off, though, saying this. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So you might begin to think, wait a second, is he just saying that the form was not at all important? I'll let you think about that, because we're going to talk as we go through and go further. 
But here, what he did is starting to emphasize is what he had to say. And he's coming to them with something about Jesus Christ. And as we talked about other weeks, about him being crucified, which to us has almost lost the pungent, horrible nature of it. Because we view our beautiful cross. And, but we talked about that other weeks, how that to even discuss crucifixion in polite company, you just didn't do it. And he's saying, this is what I brought to you. And this was that same thing as Pastor Matt had pointed out several weeks ago. When I remember him talking, he had that drawing of the making fun of, this is, um, what was his name now? Aleximinos. This is Aleximinos worshiping his God. And it was a picture of a man with a horse's head on a cross. As though he was worshiping a donkey. You know, and, and it's like, but he says, this is what I have proclaimed to you. And what we're going to see is, and he's going to tell us, this in and of itself is the power of the cross. It is the power of the gospel. But as we begin to it, I also want you to understand what he is saying most here is that the gospel is meant to be understood. That is why he's saying, it wasn't that I was coming to you just trying to convince you of this. And what he asked, when he says lofty words of speech, what he's actually referring to is a very specific thing. Because in Corinth, they had this, what they called, it was the way in which you spoke. It was a re the rhetoric is the word. And you might recognize that if you've ever heard of a rhetorical question. Oh, I remember that. That was when I answered and I wasn't supposed to. They, they asked the question, but they don't want an answer. They're simply, this is an answer that everyone's assumed to know but yet you're continuing to build your argument. Rhetoric is that kind of art of the way you present your information. And if you do it really well, that was valued here. But he's saying that's not the point of this. So he's not saying then that that's the only point here. But he's saying this message, which is essential, which is the most important part, I wanted you to hear it. I wanted you to know it. And it begs this question, though, does he mean keep it simple? And in some ways, if it's saying to be understood, I would say yes, yes, yes. And if I can say yes enough times, yes. Now the struggle is, though, as we're thinking about this, keep it simple has gotten to be so much more than just that. Hasn't it? Like You'll see it, um, and you'll even have the old expression, keep it simple, stupid. You know, like it just... That's the extent of it. And we live in an information age where there's information all around us to the point at which that information can almost overwhelm us. And to the point at which when you're given so much information that nothing has been communicated. And to that, yes, keep it simple. But it's not the desire that this is the extent of everything we have. Because the awesome part of this, and we're going to get a little more into this, the gospel is what I would say is dynamic. And the reason I say that is the entry point and the basis of the gospel is so simple that a child can understand it. it, it it's the simple fact of that God sent his son who did not deserve death, did not deserve the punishment of hell, took that so that we might have salvation. And it can be just that simple. But the depths of knowledge of what God is, the gospel, the power of it, it's so much more than that. So that's the only guard, I'd say, of against just saying, keep it simple. That's why I choose to be understood. 
And it is meant to be understood. It is meant to be grasped. And we'll go on more on that topic. The other side of that almost is, should we value knowledge information then? What do you think? Yes, we got a yes right here. Um, You know, in our society, knowledge and information right away is valued. It's, that's one of the number one things. That's why we call it the information age in which we live. But yet, there's almost at times, you come to a passage like this, have you ever heard someone well-meaning? It's me, my Bible, and God. Have you ever heard that? And on the surface, there's, there's something to that because it doesn't have to be more complicated to that. And I don't want to take away from that because I want you to spend time here and you can have that. But if that was all it was, why did God make Christianity to be experienced in a community? Why did God spend so much time in his word telling you how to love one another? Why did he spend so much time talking about how to preach and teach his word? Why did he spend so much time then explaining that to us? Think about Paul, the one who is writing this. Paul is also the author of some of the most deep and albeit complicated ideas and theology in the Bible. So does he want us to value knowledge? And the answer is yes. We absolutely should. But don't allow that to mistaken for what can happen of as a barrier to understanding. Don't allow that. That's, what the, that. that's why I use the word dynamic. It is so exciting to realize that his word is that. And it, it's interesting here at this point to understand what was going on for the Corinthians. Because they had said here, that I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming the testimony of God, lofty speech, or wisdom, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 3 says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest into the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And it starts begging the question of, well, why would this even be a concern? Add some, add some context to this here. There was an individual by the name of Apollos. Do you remember we met, he was mentioned earlier? He had come in and he, Apollos was actually from the area of Alexandria. And in Alexandria, there, it was a center of learning. He would have actually had very good, remember that word before, rhetorical, rhetoric? He would have actually been very good at it. He would have been great at it, probably. That's, he, so he's coming in then after Paul and preaching and teaching. And their natural inclination would have been, these are two different methods of teaching, two different methods of thing. I am meant to compare them and evaluate them based on how they can actually teach. I'm meant to evaluate how they present that to them. It, it was the culture. And that's why then Paul later, as he's writing this letter to them, would come back to him and say, here, Do not miss this. The power of God. 
He says, don't miss this, that the gospel is powerful. And he said, even though I purposed in my heart to come to you so that you would see and know this, don't let it get lost in the form. And this is even coming from someone who actually spends a whole, whole lot of time trying to understand what is the best and effective way to communicate. Because I want my audience to understand, to know it, to retain it. But this, the gospel is the power to save. And don't let that get lost on us. That was what he was saying here, that this gospel is sufficient. It's a big idea. Don't allow it get, to get lost in so many other things. Because my natural inclination is to dig in and want more and go deeper and think. But this is a big idea and allow it to sink in that it is sufficient. This gospel is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is the thing that brings life. It is the thing that allows a soul who's on its way to hell because of its own way to then have life and life more abundantly. That is what he's saying. He said, and don't let that get lost in, in all the other things. He also says that the, the gospel is actually more powerful than form. Because he's talking about it. He's actually talking about the way... It, it is more powerful. It is, this is what we are starting with. And so the basis of any individual who's coming up here to preach and to teach and to stand behind this pulpit should be starting with this. And this is more powerful, more beautiful, more significant than all of the rest. But then, okay, so it started begging some questions in my mind at this point. Did, did you, yeah. Start thinking, okay. But what should you expect from a preacher? Have you ever then seen maybe extremes in this? Perhaps you've seen a preacher who doesn't seem very complicated. And to a point, yes. Perhaps you've seen the one over on this side and perhaps to the extreme of he seems really smart, but what should you expect from a preacher? I would say this, be true to the word of God. And this is where this struggle, because we're almost going from the side of seeking after knowledge versus starting with a very simple, powerful message. In history, we've seen the struggle go back and forth. There's been times in which... Um, it was called like the, the battle of liberalism or modernity, modernism. So like that's kind of the battle. And there were actually some of those who in the name of seeking after knowledge and information then started to remove the miraculous because my enlightened mind says that that is not possible. And so you have then a group of people saying, and in the name of knowledge and intellect, actually ripping from the Bible the miraculous, the power, and the nature of what it is. Obviously, there's a reaction against that. And the reaction can be then of saying that I reject intellectualism. 
I reject further learning. That no, I don't need higher education. Well, absolutely, you don't need that. But this would also be falling off into the other ditch. So when I start thinking about this, then yeah, there should be seeking to dig deeper and further and further into God's word on this. Because also, like, the second thing I'm saying, what should you expect? You should expect that preacher to do his very, very best to effectively communicate to his audience. If that means deeper understanding so he actually knows what he's talking about, yes. Does that mean then he should do his very best to find ways so that you get it? Yes. And it's interesting, because Paul here is even self-describing himself. He talked about coming to you in nervousness and not using lofty speech and everything. But still, the gospel was more powerful than that. And it's amazing. But then, if you are taking this, which is amazing, and our very life, understand then that we should be able to do so much more. And it, should it be interesting? Yeah. Should it be exciting to hear it? Yes. Because we're starting with a living, breathing word of God is deep. And that's where we start going further. And he, he says this, he said, because he just almost seemed to emphasize the simplicity and just the raw power of the gospel. And then he comes to this in verse six. He says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. And really, that's even what he was starting to get to before. What I was saying, we saw that play out where the in the name of intellectualism, they are trying to rob the power of God or versus the side of, oh, this is the extent of what the knowledge is. No, it's much more, much deeper. And this is where I'd say that we need to seek the wisdom of God. After tasting the power of God in the gospel, don't stop. See, because if we really did recognize starting off that Paul came and he preached to them Jesus and him crucified. And if that is the power to bring life, I should want more. Shouldn't I? Like if this is the one thing that is able to change my life, I should want more. I should want to know it. I should want to be able to share it. I should want to seek to understand it and seek more of it. I think that's part of the point. It says also this, seek the wisdom of God, not an imitation. Not, might I even add, a cheap imitation. Because I was saying, like, that's what we potentially get if we get off on both sides here. Like, if we get off on this side in the name of intellectualism, I have actually taken away some of what the Word of God truly is, then I have, that is, a cheap imitation. At the same time, let's go a little further than someone who's trying to simply proclaim the Word of God, and they are trying to, and notice I'm even stepping further away and saying, I just want to be an entertainer to you. And in the name of God, I am a practice evangelist and let me come and do this exciting thing and I want to say this is a cheap imitation as well 
Don't be fooled by a cheap imitation. Go back to the Word of God. And that's where even when I said, like, the power of God, and what should you expect from a preacher? He should be true to the Word of God. Not swaying off to over-information, perhaps. But if you're truly digging into the right understanding of the Word of God, you can spend a lifetime pursuing it and seeking to understand it, to memorize it, to retain it. And it is wonderful. Now, but it's like, he, he mentions there, he started using those words of the wisdom of this world. And this is what we, honestly, we can battle against so much in our day. We're, we're, we live in what they call the information age. And as I was reading and studying and preparing for this, I came across an interesting fact. And this really did blow my mind. There are 260,000, four zeros, 260,000 books added to the Library of Congress every year. If someone was a voracious reader and read 2,000 books a year, that's more than a book a, a day, many books a day, they would read less than 10% of the new books being produced every year. We live in an age where information is all around us. And information is not bad. In fact, I think people get so overwhelmed with information that they almost respond to the other side of, just break it down for me. Just tell me what it is that I need to know. Because it really can get overwhelming of just the information, information, information. And I can go to Google and I've got 15 responses to the same one question. And how am I supposed to know which one of these 15 responses are the right answer? It's a real genuine struggle. And that's why I'd say, like, the understanding of this age has its limits. Um, and one of them is limit of time. And I just started mentioning that because if I was to read 2,000 books a year, more than a book a day, that's a lot. And it's still less than 10% of the new books. Answer and response. So is, this is the next verse right after we were in 6. Verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages of our glory. For our glory, rather. It is, in a measure, timeless. The information of our age has its limits, and often one of them is time. But the information of God's word is actually timeless, because God is timeless. Now, it develops in a sense of our understanding of it. Still, we have that limit of time. The second, it's limited by our senses. Like, we can only, what we see, what we hear, what we read, what, like, there's a limit to how we acquire that knowledge. In our knowledge, there's a limit of what can we actually perceive. And he says, verse 9, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Saying, like, in essence, his there is a part of which his knowledge is beyond our perceiving it. Beyond, and this is, ends up being a quote from Isaiah, he, as he's writing, he's quoting Isaiah, which says, what no eye has seen, nor our ear heard, or the heart of man imagined. But it's also limited at times by access. 
in that of we can only know what we can get to. You know, if you have access to the internet, it actually opens up a whole lot of access to just information. But also, like, to know of God, we need access to that. And so he says, for, we, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. The wisdom of God is spiritual. Like the way in which we can know it and understand it is by the Spirit. There's a, there's a part in which, and this is where it starts, okay, and I don't mean to get complicated, but it starts getting slightly complicated. When we say that the gospel is one of the most simple things, but yet the only people who seem to, no, not seem to, the only people who truly get it, understand it, and accept it, are those who do have the Spirit, the Spirit of God. And then to others, it is foolishness. The wisdom of God is spiritual. And it says, for these things, that's verse 10 now, of God have revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So, at this point, though, I want you to understand that there is not some special barrier to this. Like, as we're talking about, and we're, we've we started talking about almost big ideas. Maybe it's not the type of boxes you normally put information in. Sorry, it, it's ones I actually use because I think about them in that terms of how would we share this information versus the information itself. And so when we come down to this, though, of trying to understand and take away from this, there's a couple things that we want to take away from this. We want to take away that the gospel is meant to be understood and can be understood, even by the most simple of us, the children among us. But yet, that gospel is powerful. It is the power of life. And also, if we start to see it, we should seek more of it. But yet, if I, if I want to then you to understand this, and that, I think an illustration is helpful to that. And so what I want to give you is an illustration of an individual who seeks and has sought after knowledge and information. This beautiful, wonderful lady is my grandmother. Her name is Dorothy Silver. She's a grandmother. She's now also a great-grandmother. But to me, she's a grandmother. She's the author of three books. She's a retired public speaker. She is the founder of a support group called Second Chance Learners. She also, though what's not noted here, has dyslexia, which meant when she was going through school, she failed and failed to the point in which she was bigger than other kids in her class and was made to go up to the board and try and answer, answer simple questions that then this young child beside her could answer, but she would know the answer, but could not put down the answer correctly and reverse the numbers, and the highest she ever got in math was 10 out of 100. She stopped going to school. She then married. She had four lovely children, one of whom is my mother. Um, but for a simple task of even being able to write a note 
And, and this, is, this is something I actually learned this week because my grandmother is actually Googleable. <laughs> um, and I didn't realize this, but it was in some of the writing that was on their website about this, was that every time she wanted to write a note for the school, and, and in, in her own comments there, and it seemed like they wanted a note for everything, she had to drive from Burton to Fredericton. That's about a 20-minute drive. Fredericton was where her sister lived. For her sister to write the note, sent her ch with her children. Um, but it didn't stop there. One of her children um, saw a note or a publication, a thing, for the fact of someone to be able to go back to school. And it was with what they call law-back literacy. And they then, she got a tutor. And she went back and got her diploma, doing one-on-one. -on -one. But she didn't stop there. And that's where I say author of three books. They're, she authored, with the help of law-back literacy, three books. One of them, I think, was about budgeting, and then there were some other things. Um, she then traveled a little bit with law-back literacy and sharing her story. I, I think it's really cool. Like She was the keynote speaker for several different um, things and sharing her story about seeking after and continuing after wisdom and knowledge. And another part of it, it was probably started the group before she became the public speaker, but she then wasn't content for it just to be her. She started a support group so that other people in her situation weren't stuck there, so that they also could get a second chance and to become learners. So I, yeah, I want to pray on my grandmother this morning as someone who's seeking after wisdom. It was not just literacy. She was also one who is regularly seeks after God's word. She is one who, even though my grandmother and grandfather didn't have that much money, would regularly give towards me being able to have more education and being able to continue studying for Bible school or doing my master's or that sort of thing. They had hardly any money to rub together, but they, they wanted that. If you're going to seek after God, then we're going to do whatever we can to support you. So my challenge to you this morning in this idea of form versus content, realize this, that the gospel is meant to be understood, and the gospel is powerful. In fact, it is more powerful than the form, though that doesn't for a minute mean that you shouldn't attempt to have awesome form to actually get the information to these people. But this should inspire us to seek after the wisdom of God. There's not some special ability to know more of God. It's to seek after Him and His Spirit. It's not only for those who are of special or high intellect to seek after the wisdom of God. It's not. Anybody can get in on this. But yet, I want to challenge you, even with the simple thought of someone like my grandmother who didn't have that many opportunities, but when she got a second chance at it, she grabbed a hold of it. If you have this opportunity, I would challenge you to grab a hold of it. Do not be content with, well, just break it down for me. No, don't. Seek more 
and more. And in the same person of the Apostle Paul, who wrote such a simple thing of saying, I didn't come to you with lofty words of wisdom because I wanted you to know that you didn't just get this because of the wisdom of man. You got it because it is, in fact, the power of God is the same man who just six verses later says, and so to the mature, let me impart wisdom. And then he goes on in chapter three and he says, you are not babies anymore. I want you to be fed with me. Grab a hold of it this morning. Seek after it. But you're not alone in this. You see, that was what I was starting at when I was saying, like that problem of, it's just me and my Bible. Have you ever been to the point at which you're trying to read your Bible? And it's like, why can't I understand this? You're not alone in that. Like even as I'm trying to dig through these, these 16 verses that we went through this morning, I spent the week going to it, then walking away from it and coming back to it. But I also did something else with it. I went to some commentaries. And so these are other individuals who have spent time thinking and learning and trying to understand it. Because, think about this. If I think so much of what God can just teach me with his word, why then would I think so little of what someone else could be taught by God. See, that's where we run into this of I can, and I'm in a special place where I can benefit from some other people's learning and experience of the Word of God. And that's another way in which you can grab a hold of it. Because you read it, and I'm struggling to understand it. Well, there might just have been someone else who struggled to understand it and has spent quite a bit of time trying to get an answer to that. But on that thought, seek wisdom and grab a hold of it when you get that chance. Do not let it go. I'm going to close in a word of prayer and then just right after that, I believe Pastor Matt's going to come up for communion as we, before we dismiss. But Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you we thank you that you have given us your word and the opportunity to hear it, to dig into it. But we also pray, and I pray for everyone in this room, that you would put in them that desire and hunger to know more, to know more of you and more of your word. We pray for this. In Jesus' name, amen.